Hey, hey, Freedom Fighters. Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast, the only place where military members, veterans, and their families learn how to build wealth through real estate investing. I'm your host, Mike Foster, and I'm here to show you how to stop wasting your benefits. Now get off your ass, step up to the firing line, and make ready for today's lesson. Shooter, stand by. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. This is going to be an amazing show. We might go into a whole bunch of different things today. Real estate, Game of Thrones, jet skis, who knows what, right? But it's going to be awesome because we've got Jake and Gino here from Wheelbarrow Profits. What's going on, guys? Hey, guys. Mike, you have a a fantastic radio voice, man. (laughs) We're in the zone right now. This is uh, So I'm, I'm ready for this. Oh, man. All right. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm super glad. And let's just go ahead and kick it. Um, honestly, thank you guys so much for uh, for your time. I've got Adam Labar with me here from Japan. He's going to help me out and interview these guys. And Adam, I believe these guys, these are your mentors, right? These are my mentors. Yeah. So I found Jake and Gino uh, through some podcasts, listening like crazy. And uh, I was sold with their uh, uh, with the way Jake likes to describe the, uh, they want to be the Chick-fil-A of apartment buildings. And I was like, dude, I have always wanted, I've loved Chick-fil-A with their business practices, their food, everything about them. And I was like, dude, I need to get to know more of these guys. And I sat down with Gino and it was all over from there. Man, at, at the end of the day, if you're operating in the C and B class apartment space, you're, you're not selling fillets, right? And if you can get your customer service right, you can offer safe, clean, and affordable homes. You're going to do really well, and you're going to separate yourself from the competition. So, you know, it, it's uh, it's something that's that's come from doing, and it's really uh, you know close to our heart because we've seen the complexes and we've taken over places where the folks were not taken care of. And and if you go in there and you offer a solid product and a high level of customer service, the same thing you know that Chick Fil A does, people respond to that well. And you start to grow a following, you know, within your communities for that. So it's, uh, you know, we're not always perfect, but that's what we strive for day in and day out. And we work really hard to get there. And I think the important thing that Mike said in the beginning was the word mentor. I mean, really, Adam was a smart guy. He knew what he was doing. But I think the education and I think the space and the community really, I guess, catapulted him. Because what you don't know, you don't know. I mean, let's go to Game of Thrones. You don't know how to ride a dragon until you ride a dragon, right? You don't know how to buy an apartment complex until you buy an apartment complex. And if you surround yourself with people who've done it, Maybe you can partner with them. Maybe you can help them raise money. Maybe you can learn some stuff about a certain market that you don't know. Maybe you can get introduced to a broker in that market. Maybe you can do some boots on the ground for somebody in that market. So people discount gurus and education as well. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. Not really. Mm -hmm. I got educated about 10, 12 years ago. Best thing I ever did. I spent money on life coaching. I spent money on real estate coaching. And it paid back to me a hundredfold. And I shouldn't say I spent money. I invested in myself. That's never going away. It's all up here and it's all going forward. And you learn that space really well. And I think mentors are there to help you out, to guide you. And obviously, mentors need to get paid because... You know, we want to give back. Profits the fuel. It's not the destination. We, we need to get paid for what we're doing because we have that knowledge. But that's not why we're doing this. The education is really difficult. It's right. passion. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. But I think, you know, when you can build it, you can help other people. That's, that's like, you know, 
living with house money right now. It's great. There you I believe go. it. It's, it's also a super competitive market. And I think that the folks that are open to working, you know, together and, and not having an ego are the folks that are, that are going to excel. If someone brings me a deal and, and whether it's, it's someone that's a part of the community, whoever, I'm not going to poo poo that or say, Oh, you know, whatever we, we have our own ways. We only work with this guy. I think it's, it's just being open-minded at whatever point you are in your career because this is a competitive market and it's a team sport and, and multifamily is a relationship business and folks need to work together to get things done. So that is so true. Absolutely. So true. Um, amazing, amazing points there. And, and really I, I, that's one of the things that we wanted to highlight here is teamwork. I mean, the idea that folks can come together and make a business grow, a company grow and, you know, having mentors, right. Having that, that also that critical part of that team, is that uh, that guiding light, right? In the military, sometimes we talk about having a guide, at least in the Navy, right? I know we talk about having that guiding light to help you, you know, move from point A to point B. Um, and it's huge. It's phenomenal. And you guys have built a phenomenal program. So uh, definitely thank you for, for what you guys have done. Um, we've read your book, Wheelbarrow Profits, probably a dozen times. It's awesome. Uh, and if you guys don't know about that book, there will be a link in the show notes page for that. So make sure you guys go check that out. Um, and the podcast that you guys run too is really good. So, um, really, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice. And I kind of want to take it back real quick to maybe those moments that you had when you were just getting started. Um, you know, what was that like? What was the education process like? And then how did you find your first mentor? Well, it's funny. I wish I had started, um, at a different path. We started out buying our own deals. I think everyone who gets to the multifamily has that dispelling belief that they need money to get into multifamily or they need experience. No, you just need a plan. You need to be educated. You can start raising money for somebody else's deals. You can be boots on the ground. You can property manage your own deals. You can buy your own deals. You can syndicate your deals. You can you know, raise money, like I said, for somebody else's deals. We just started out buying our own deals because that's what we thought we needed to do. We partnered up. We put some money together. Um, I had been educated. I had taken a couple of real estate coaching programs. Um, my turning point was when I got fed up with my current restaurant. I said, I need to get out. So that was my why. I really burned the ships mentally. And I said, I'm going to do this. So, you know, that's what it takes people normally to do that. That really, it can't be a side hustle. I mean, nothing is side. If it's a side hustle, then it's a second job. If you're not going to parlay that into becoming reality, into dedicating time and becoming habitual and working on it, it's never going to happen. If your why is not big enough, it's not going to work. Jake's why was probably as big as mine. Uh, we found a little 25 unit deal. Um, it worked. It worked on paper and you know, it was a great deal for us. We had owner financing on it. Uh, we found it on LoopNet. It was two years old. We bought it back in 2013. But back then, things were different. Rents were lower. The economy stunk. There was a lot of risk back then. Um, people didn't know the, the market was going to accelerate as much as it had. So we just took a shot. I mean, Jake, what do you think about that first deal? It was, uh, it was, it was a tough deal. Weekly renters, um, yeah. total mom and pop. Well, one thing just hit me, and, and it's something that Adam and I share in common. He probably doesn't even know this, but uh, that we, we share the same mentor. And, and I found my mentor in the back of a restaurant with his arms crossed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's a true story because, you know, before I was, you know, uh, coming down to Tennessee from New York, um, was really close friends with uh, Gino's brother, Mark. And, you know, Gino was always in the back, you know, having to, you know, get the guys to make sure they're making the meals and cooking the dishes and no one was showing up. And he was just looking upset and he had his arms crossed in the back of the restaurant looking pissed all the time. Oh, I'm like, Mark, why is Gino always so upset? <laughs> the godfather it, back then. Yeah. The, the funny thing was that yeah. literally the day that I was leaving to come to Knoxville, 
Mark told Gino that uh, I was coming down there and, and I had expressed interest in, in real estate before. And I know Gino had got his education and he was buying duplexes at the time. And literally when he's like, well, let's, let's, let's take a look. So he pulled out the computer. We started looking at deals and this was on the back of the great recession and things were trading for like 30 a door. And so his, his eyeballs are like bugging out of his head. And then, Dude. Especially from New York. Like, what? 30 yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this is going back to, you know, 2010, 2011. I think it was 2011 we first started looking at deals down there. And, you know, I didn't, I was just looking for yield. I was, I was in a job that was doing layoffs every year. So for me, I was like, I got to find yield somewhere else and, and more security. I probably read The Richest Man in Babylon like 10 times. Oh, didn't really read it. You know, Adam, I was listening to it while I was driving around, you know, right. selling vaccines. Right. Right. But, uh, you know, we finally just, we hung in there. It was, it was almost two years. It was 18 months to get our first deal. Everyone told us, no, go you know, screw yourself. And you know, y'all are never going to do business down here. We got a ton of rejection. And that's why everybody that comes into the community, I, I always want everyone to know you just have to have staying power if this is going to be your one thing. If this is going to be your goal and you're going to make a career out of multifamily, you have to hang in there because it is such a, a it's a long view. It's a long vision. You're going to get a, a deal done. And then when that deal happens, maybe in year one, it may be in year four, you're going to, your credibility is going to start creeping and things are going to start moving. And then you're going to have multiple inflection points beyond that. And, and you're going to have to scale. So I always say to people, it's education times action equals results. That's to get in the door. But once so, you get in the door, you got to, Gina's like, man, I got something for you, baby. But I, one more thing here. <laughs> once you get in the door, though, you got to figure out how to scale. And that was the thing that bit us in the, like, in the butt a little bit early on was I was trying to do everything with the I'm a mentality boots on the ground. Gina was coaching me. And, and it's, it's action at first, but then it's figuring out your teams and your systems and scaling once, mm. once you kind of have opened that door. g I'm sorry, my friend. What do you got? J-Love, it's okay. I'm just thinking <laughs> back to the pain. And I'm like, you know, there's Jacob Stenziano and Gino Barbaro We're with two vowels going down to Tennessee. So can you imagine us getting deals? Jake sells, goes to me and says, you know, my wife wants to buy a house. So there goes another six months, right? So we could have quit. Um, I'm going through the restaurant and, you know, I always credit the restaurant as, as the problem. But really, guys, anyone in the situation, don't uh, look at your situation as the problem. You're the problem. I was the problem at the restaurant. I couldn't scale. I didn't know how to scale. I hated my situation. So I was in that negative feed loop. Didn't like my job. Didn't show up. Didn't like my job. Didn't show up. So I was constantly, you know, looping around and I couldn't get out of that situation until I found Jake. And I said, okay, this is another situation. So if I had had the mentality, I could have probably done better at the restaurant. I just hated it. I was doing it for so many years and I was right. just stuck in that paradigm until I said to myself, okay, let me look further and see what else is out there. And I think what everyone needs to do who's a beginning investor, this is the, the, the framework that you really need to follow when you're looking for a deal and we teach this. The first thing you need to do is you need to focus on a market. You can't be looking at four or five different markets. Focus on one market. There's so many different ways to uh, look at a market. We, we have the three, three ways that one of our coaches teaches. It's the business perspective, the real estate perspective. And can you get to the market? I mean, if you're in California and Knoxville is great, is it really a market you should look at if it takes you 12 hours to get there? You need to get to a market accessibly. So that's the first thing. Focus on a market and choose the market. The next thing is start getting deal flow. You want to get in touch with brokers and see if they can send you offering memorandums. Don't call any broker. Just get those memorandums in your inbox. Start looking at those deals. Start analyzing those deals. Do you know how to underwrite deals? Do you know how to speak to brokers? Really important to do that. After you've done that, Time to go down and to build that team. How are you going to build a team? How are you going to talk to brokers? Mr. Stenziano is smiling over there. Talk to me, my friend. What's going no, on? I, just, I don't think I ever told you this story. And I'm like, I'm cracking up inside. So 
You know, I was, uh, we, were, we were getting thrown out of broker's offices and I remember uh, Gino, Gino was talking about the, the, uh, the vowels and uh, I went out and we were in Nashville for a, a corporate event for the company I was working at. I bought a pair of cowboy boots. Did I ever tell you about that? <laughs> you never showed them to me either, no. Yeah, nice. so, I can't so picture sweet. Jake with cowboy boots. They're no. so sweet, too. I and I just, <laughs> I, I put them on a couple times, and I just never, like, I thought, like, man, this is going to help me, like, with, like, assimilating in the, in the <laughs> And it really, it wasn't even a thing, though. But these boots, I got to bring these things out because they're leather. They're not going anywhere. I got to. Dude, the boots are coming back. You gotta bring them back. You gotta you bring them back. Bro, you gotta get the hat too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I will, I will rock buckle. a hat. You know, you gotta get the big buckle too, man. Okay, so let me let me reverse <laughs> I'm that. Sorry, first, I'm just like you know, I got the it was first thing is you gotta buy the boots. Second thing is you gotta buy the hat. Third <laughs> thing is let's focus on a market. The fourth <laughs> thing, yeah, there we go. All right, when you're coming into the SEC, you gotta get yourself a hat, right? <laughs> you know, but the building building that team. Let's get back. Building that team is really important because right. the broker in multifamily is where you find deals. You need to, you need to, hey, if, if the broker's wearing, wearing cowboy boots, you wear cowboy boots. If he likes Alabama, you love Alabama. It's <laughs> building that rapport. And then that's when the deals start coming. And be genuine brokers. I mean, they've got a tough job. I was talking to one of my students today. Brokers have a hard job. They've got to deal with sellers who are unreasonable in this market. They've got to deal with buyers who are trying to get prices down. They've got their wife that they got to pay the bills. They've got to go out and source new deals. And they've got to please everybody. And they're getting 1% which you think is a lot of money. They, they sell one or two deals a year. They're making 150 grand in commissions if they're lucky. So right. that's a hard thing. So build rapport with them. Let them know that, hey, send me whatever deals and do what you say and say what you do. Be really responsive to them. Get a deal back to them right away. Tell them this doesn't work. If you got anything else, I'd love to send it. Tell them what you're looking for. That building rapport is really, really important. Anything else with Stenziano? Yeah, well, don't do what I did because you know I was, I was a sales guy and I was coming at these, these brokers hard in the beginning. And I'm like, these are the sales guys. And I was, I was really pushing them. Mm -hmm. Don't be that guy. You're the sales guy and they have what you want. Treat them like that. Don't come into a thing. Oh, this is the sales guy and, and enjoy it. Build relationships with these guys. Get on site. Look at a lot of deals. That's, that's when the deal flow and that's when these things are going to happen. You're going to build rapport by getting on site and looking at deals. So, uh, you know, I think I was too arrogant in the beginning and I was definitely pushing people and, uh, almost burned some bridges. I think, you know, we brought a lot of stuff back around and right. uh, I cooled off a little bit, but don't, uh, don't, don't be that guy. So, you know, some of it was a self-imposed. That, that makes you a lot guys of just had, uh, oops, sorry. No, go, go ahead, man. So, you guys just had Chris Voss on again and he was talking about that, right? He was talking about that, uh, that conversation. If you have that, um, instant, uh, what was the word he used, but, um, not arrogance, but uh, if you come at it aggressively, you're already wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So go in there and be open with these conversations. Have a good time with these men, with these uh, brokers and and your whole team member, your property managers. You're gonna find. Um, so you know, having that that kind of relationship is how you build it. Like we don't do that with our friends. We don't, you know, I mean, a bunch of military guys. A lot of our military folks do, right? Because we're very hard headed. We're very sure. like we need to go charge through a wall. Type A. But that's yeah. we're like we're not dealing with the military here. Like mm. we're dealing. With if you start drawing lines in the sand early on and saying this is the way it's going to be, and you're going to take it and swallow it, it <laughs> it's it's not going to uh, get good results. You know, maybe maybe because the guy's desperate or something, but you're gonna yeah. you're gonna do a lot better by following Chris's methods in it. And, you know, you got to listen to the Chris Foss episode that we had in our podcast because it was Fantastic. so, I was, dude, the guy's a beast. And, and so you're going to learn so much from that and, and not be, you know, don't be confrontational and, and be open-minded to, you know, finding a solution. You're coming together, you're working together to, to get to an end. And that's, right. everyone should come to the table and try to figure it out. 
Absolutely. And that, that actually begs another question too. Do you think it's wise to have um, a relationship with maybe two, three or four brokers or to just range out and try and get as many brokers as you can in that market and building relationships with all of them? You know, you just want to be the Ron Jeremy of all brokers. All right. You, you want, you want all of them, you know, you want to, you want to be friends. No, I mean, but look, I think especially if you're, if you're in a specific market and you know, I, I think you should know all the brokers in that market because at some point you're going to have contact with them more than likely and mm-hmm. try to build rapport and have solid relationships with them. Um, you know, I think it's work, but I, I want to, I want to know every broker. I want to be their best friend. And the thing is, try to focus on a broker who works in the multifamily space. That was our biggest mistake in the beginning. We were dealing with guys who were sending, so they were sending us student housing deals, which we had no really desire. We were dealing with the biggest land dealer in the, in the area. We were dealing with residential brokers. Really try to qualify them also and try to tell them, I'm looking for, right now we're looking for 100 units plus. That's the broker we're looking for. But when you're first starting out, let them know that you're looking for anything up to 50 units, multifamily. Um, you know, looking for we're looking for B and C, but be specific with them. Let them know what you're talking, what you're looking for, and make sure they're in a multifamily space because everyone's a multifamily broker. But I mean, if they're selling triplexes for their uncle, they're a multifamily broker. So they are, they're not. So you know, knowing more of them is is great, the most possible because because the more people you know the more deals you're going to be able to see because when they're off market or pre-market, if you're on their list, they're going to send you that deal. So, and I ain't judging. If you're coming, you got a hundred units, don't care what your background is. Just bring it on. All right. We'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Just make it, just bring it on through. That's great. That is awesome. So, uh, so you, you gave some really, really awesome, awesome points there. Um, I absolutely love it. And once you start getting that deal flow, is there anything past that now that we should focus on? Like what is, what is the criteria that folks should look at? before they even start crunching numbers into an analyzer? Is it it depends what, yeah, it depends what they're looking for. But I think students always ask, should I have the money or should I have the deal? I mean, just start creating substantive relationships today. Start talking to people that you have an opportunity that you're, you're, you're growing and you're looking to buy multifamily and you're looking, for, I want to say you're looking to give them an opportunity. So start talking to people about it because when that deal comes, and then you have to look for money. It's really stressful. So start putting a credibility book together. Start putting a business plan together, letting people know what you're doing. So when you do get that deal, voila, you can actually speak to them. The, the pump is already primed. Um, and, you know, as far as criteria, we were buying at eight caps. But now in that market, they've dropped between six and seven cap rates. I mean, it depends on, on the, market the market itself. Rate. And it depends on the sub-market of the city. Because t- let's say Atlanta. Atlanta, for example, can be a six-cap market. But in certain sub-markets, they can go up to eight and nine caps in, in really rough areas. And Buckhead and the other areas, it can be five caps. So you really need to know where um, you're, you're buying. And I think the biggest thing with multifamilies, you really have to have some type of value add component. You really want to buy on actuals, but then hopefully you can either take over a property that's mismanaged. You can add units to a property. You can raise rents. You can add income. So if there's really no value add component to it, buying on actuals in this market is not going to be that exciting because rent growth is still between two and 3%. But when we were buying, you know, rents were 450. Now they're 650, 700. We've had some substantial rent growth just from the market itself elevating but I don't see that happening in the future. So right now, you really got to buy for for value, right? Now, a lot of our a lot of our folks are uh, single family investors. Can you explain the cap rate real quick, just so they uh, they can understand that? A cap rate is basically a rate of return with no debt. So you're trying to compare one asset to another. As soon as you start implying, imputing, putting debt on it, your rates of return, you know, leverage takes over. So the higher the cap rate, usually 
the the more risk there is involved. That's why cap rates in these great cities like LA, New York, they're lower cap rates because they're perceived to have less risk on them, which I don't really totally agree with that, but that's fine. Um, so let's talk about cap rates. As cap rates go up, your price goes down. There's an inverse relationship that's happening. Cap rates go up, price goes down. I'll give you another big golden nugget that just dawned on me couple months ago, I don't know why. If you're buying a property with a low cap rate and you're a value investor and you add value to that property, the value is going to go up more than if it's a higher cap rate property. So a five cap property, if you had $10,000 of value, you can do the math. I don't know the math. At a five cap, that $10,000 property is going to you know, double in value as if that property was a 10 cap property. So wow. it's hard to say buy a property just because it's a higher cap rate. Yeah. What's your strategy? Are you looking to cash flow or are you looking to add value and increase the value, refi or sell it out? So so um, cap rates, they're used for larger properties. It's just really one metric that we try to gauge on it. That's not the only metric you're looking for to buy a property. Debt coverage ratio is really important in our industry because you want to be able to pay the bills. So, you know, um, that's another metric. And obviously, everyone knows cash on cash return. But uh, we were buying with 10, 10, you know, a 10 plus cash on cash return when you're syndicating and raising deals, money for deals. You need around between an 8 and 10% cash on cash return actual for the deal to work. Right. Anything else? Talk, yeah, I just want to talk about the properties a little bit. You said what you know what we're looking for, and two of the the big things that uh, we look for: central heat and air. Uh, we don't like window or mini splits, and we like washer dryer hookups. Um, there's something that came out recently that said these are the you know in the CMB washer dryer is huge, dude. Huge. Yeah, these are like these are like the number one uh, amenities in the in the CMB class apartment space that people are looking for. Um, we like uh, pitched roofs. Um, you know. Obviously, we want a uh, we don't want a newer pitch roof. Um, we don't want Zinsco or, or Federal Pacific uh, oh, no. panels in there because you're gonna have to switch those out. Um, we're actually uh, doing that on a deal right now. It's fine. We we worked into the numbers and uh, and so that we're doing it. Um, you know, PVC plumbing, all that stuff, and we like to be next to you know a Chick Fil A, a Kroger, a Starbucks, something like that because you see that the sort of these big guys did the work for you, and and you look at a lot of neighborhoods that they're in, and they really align with what we're looking for in terms of workforce housing, uh, blue collar, and retail residents. So we've done very well uh, with that. So. Because awesome. you know a Chick Fil A is not going somewhere if the neighborhood sucks, if yeah. the uh, if the property you know property values are going down. Chick Fil A is not showing up. So mm-hmm. and it's uh, great because I love buying Chick Fil A for our staff. So if it's there, oh, yeah. we'll buy it, and then we get to eat it as well. And <laughs> then you get nice. to enjoy some Chick Fil A. <laughs> it's a win win. Yes, there it is. Yeah. Chick Fil A. Can't wait to eat Chick Fil A again. I love that place. Maybe maybe toss on the big screen for some Game of Thrones. You know why not? Right. <laughs> Now you're talking. Watch Cersei burn some brokers. So we, 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 I mean, we, listen, we were talking about this before, and this is going to be the biggest aha takeaway. If you're if you're having a tough negotiation, you just listen to Chris Voss, and you, you still can't figure it. You you know figure it out what you're going to do. Just ask yourself, what would Cersei do? Okay, this, the strategy of that woman is evil, but she gets it done. Okay, so if you need to do some soul searching, just ask yourself. All right, she would close some apartment deals. That's for sure. She would, she would get it done. <laughs> Scorched earth. <laughs> that is epic, man. Epic. Oh, thank you so much, man. So, so um, just another question, and I guess just to kind of bring this back to um, the whole team building aspect, right? So we're talking to brokers, we're building a relationship with them. Maybe who are some other great, like critical team members that you want when you're getting into the multifamily space? After you've talked to the broker, you you should ask the broker who are property managers in the area that you 
I would ask them, who would you hire as a property manager and who would you not hire as a property manager? Those are two important questions because who you would not hire is great. Ask a few of them because the ones you keep hearing who not, they usually end up coming up more than once or twice. Uh, and the property management companies are really important out there. You'd want to know um, from the property management companies, you may get a couple inspectors. You want inspectors out there. Obviously, if you don't have a CPA, you really need to get a CPA. Uh, cost segregation is really important also. Uh, before you buy a property, you should have a cost segregation guy taking a look at, at the property, looking at your land value, your building values, seeing if there's any strategies you can employ, how much depreciation you're going to take on the property. That's important. Um, obviously, an attorney is important. If you're doing a syndication, you need a syndication attorney. Um, you're going to need, uh, you know, if you're going to do some heavy lifting or some rehabbing, probably an architect would probably be good, a slash engineer, you know, the whole gamut. You, you, you want to run the whole gamut as far as that team members goes out. Um, a lot of the guys that we have, we employ them in Knoxville, but, you know, a lot of people are using remote now. You can get a CPA who's remote or something in the market itself. So, Yeah, I'll give, give a little tip on that. Um, so when you're doing agency deals, you're going to have to have an attorney uh, assisting you to close that deal uh, for the lender side. They're going to basically require that. Uh, if you get a good relationship with your title company and they have experience doing that, um, mm -hmm. that has been something that's worked really well for us because what happens is all the, the docs and all that loan information is going under one roof and it seems to really uh, get processed better, quicker, and there's just uh, less hands in the pot and confusion. And so we've done really well with that. Um, I'm going to say this and, and I really mean it, an affordable uh, attorney to do your purchase and sale agreements because we're not paying 30, we're not paying 20, and we're not paying 10. And there's there's folks out there that'll do it good and, and, and not kill you. Uh, because early on we've, we, you know, we had uh, really we had a hard time shopping this. And, you know, a, a lot of times on the closing statement, we'll see the, the opposition side with a $30,000 bill. And I'm just like, you know, we got the same service. The deal got closed, but we mm -hmm. saved twenty five grand. So, so wow. don't like don't light that money on fire because it all adds up over time. Yeah, that's, that's a regular that's a regular attorney, uh, regular yeah. person, sell real estate attorney, syndication attorneys. We have a good one. We like her, um, and that's for the purchase and sale. Yeah, yeah. she's around fifteen thousand yeah. for the syndication. When you do syndication as far as creating an operating agreement for your syndication private placement memorandum. That's a different attorney. So, um, but the PSA, we was looking at the documents yesterday, closing documents. We did a six million dollar deal. She charged us fifty five hundred because it was a lot of work she had to do. We closed a seventeen million dollar deal. She charged us five grand for a seventeen million dollar deal. So she did a great job. So um, it was impressive, actually, what we paid. Yeah, have a good banker on your side because you know you may need to get docs notarized, and right. you want to have all your accounts at one spot and make it easy. You want all the online access. I think I think a good mortgage broker as well for the Fannie and Freddie stuff. Uh, and then you know your accountants, make sure it's in the cloud, and and make sure that you you know depending on which size you are, get property management software and begin to scale up, begin to professional up, and, and don't wait because there's a lot of docs getting thrown around when you're doing refis and when you're doing acquisitions. I can go right on here and pull an income statement, send it to somebody in like three clicks. So, you know, you want to, you want to have that kind of accessibility. And I just held up my iPhone for the folks that, uh, that are not on YouTube. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you mentioned the banker and, uh, they're, they're massively important. Like you, you guys started off and you guys still use a lot of the local bankers, right? I mean, uh, mm -hmm. if you're going to be getting into an institutional loan, that banker is less important, but you're not always going to be able to get an institutional loan on the deals that you're, especially if there's you a You never heavy know what you're going to need. You want a full team. Yeah. yeah. And the, uh, especially your local community bankers, a portfolio lender, those guys could be a huge help for you. 
um, and, and actually being able to take down a deal that otherwise you would not have been able to take down. Big down. Anything that's a sub $1 million is usually community banking. And that, that might be your first or second deal. And we love our community banker. He's made us rich. I mean, there's no other way to say it. He's been pretty, very fair with us. He's given us 15% deals. The last one is a 15% loan. The cost, it was freaking awesome. But he, cause he knows he's underwriting these deals. He knows what these deals, there's a lot of value in these deals. And, and we're, we're, you know, the thing is the recourse debt. So if we don't perform, he's coming after us. Right, Jake. So, um, hey, he, as long as we can stroke a check, that's all he cares about. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, at, at the thing and the other flip side of it is, the closing costs are so much cheaper than agency. It's amazing that how much cheaper it is to close. It's easier to close. They're much easier to work with. They have much more flexibility. Than but you got to ask, right? That's right. You have not one percent, <laughs> no one percent origination fee, man. Quarter point. They yeah. will drop down. So, but they're important. They're a very important team member when you first start out. That's awesome. Can, can we talk about just a few questions that someone going to their community banker for the first time should ask? Right. Like, say you're going in, or maybe you should you, ask for a referral. Because they don't want you coming in the front door because they're going to think you're, you're like a, a drug addict or you got a problem and you're, you're <laughs> no, I've gotten this feedback from these guys before. They said, I don't want to meet somebody that comes in looking for money because mm. that means there's something wrong with them. And, and that's the mentality. And they, there might not be anything wrong with them, but they want you to come via a referral. Wow. And, and that's the, okay. I get, that's the best advice that I can give. And then, and then do your, you know, do your due diligence, have a, we, we, we have a credibility book that we put together that basically is, is our story, what we're looking for. And we put that in front of bankers a lot in the beginning, especially. So they, they had, wow, these guys are prepared, they're on top of it and they have a business plan. So and I think yeah. the, Jake, the other thing that's really important though, is make sure that they invest in multifamily and they do deals. Like our community bank is young. They're hungry, which made it was really important. And they underwrote a lot of multifamily. That was their strength. So don't go to a community bank that doesn't like multifamily. That will, mm-hmm. that won't work with you. It's really important. Like Jake said, do your due diligence on them also. Cause right. you know, you're going to give them all your demand deposits. That's what they want. They're hungry for those demand deposits because they're going to use that as reserves to create more loans, to make more money in the deal. So you have a little carrot you can dangle also. So, so don't be afraid to dangle that cap, but make sure that they're in the business of doing multifamily loans and that they want your business. Awesome. Can, can you uh, talk about real quick what are what demand deposits are? I don't think a lot of our listeners. Oh, I'm sorry. When you have a checking account, all your rent's coming in, just throwing your deposits in, in, in their bank. So you're going to have a checking account there. You're going to have your savings account there. You might even have credit cards there. So the more deposits coming into a bank, they put them in as reserves in the bank and they're able to lend that out. I don't know. The ratio used to be nine to one. I mean, what a great, what a great business that is. You take in $1 and you're able to lend out nine and you know, at the height of the, uh, Oh six, oh seven. I mean, I don't know what the numbers were, but they were lending out 40 to one. So you can see as that number goes up, there's less liquidity. So when there's a bank run or something happens, there's just phantom money going on. That's the velocity of money. That's why banks are so wealthy. So if you do, if you really think about it, let's say you put a thousand dollars at the bank and they're going to give you 1% on that money, right? That 1% of the money, you're going to get what? $10, uh, $1, $1 a year. Right. But if you, and they get that thousand bucks and they lend it out at 4%, they're going to make $4 a year on that money. So what do they do? They made four, but they paid one. People, it's it's $3 they made. They made 300% on their money. So that's mm-hmm. that's insane. Now you multiply that nine times and lend that money out. Now you know why banks don't want to be in the real estate business. They like to have real estate as collateral because they can take it back and then resell it. But they don't, why would you want real estate? You have nothing. You're just pushing paper. You don't want that. So if you look at it from their perspective, they want to be safe. They want to be secure. They want to have a nice asset. But at the same time, they just want to take money and just keep velocitizing. That's how they make money. 
Yeah. And, and if it's a smaller bank and you're doing a syndication and there's, you know, 4 million bucks getting raised and being put in the account, and then you're, there's 500 or a million in the reserves, whatever it is. And then and you're processing 2 million bucks every year through that bank. They like that. They like mm-hmm. it quite a bit. So that's awesome, man. Wow. Uh, so much knowledge and wisdom guys. You have shared so much with us. We really, really appreciate your time. Adam, do you have another question at all? Not right now. Awesome. Where are you at? Well, then we're going to take us into the bonus round, guys, because we're running out of time. But I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, I've got three final questions for you. It's the first one. What is your favorite book? And you guys can each go if you, if you got one. Okay. Gino knows my answer. My favorite book of all time is Atlas Shrugged. Love me or hate me. It's Ooh. the truth and it's subjectivism. And I love it. Ooh, okay. Nice. I don't have a favorite book. I've got a lot of. Got, <laughs> Gino, have you finished Atlas Shrugged yet? I'm halfway through it, dude. It just I just uh, read it and I think about what's going on. Not a prayer, huh? I just. <laughs> you know, yeah, I feel like you've been halfway through that book for like the last. Dude, it's like four months. I just, I put it away because I get so sick and I get so annoyed a, when I read it because I'm like, book, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. you listen to it, you're like, this is going on in real time. It's just really, it's like really weird. I'm reading it and I'm like. Oh, it's just, I can't, I can't finish it yet, Jake. I'm sorry. I will I just, do it. I just finished Made in America, Sam Walton. It was awesome. Obviously, Principles by Ray Dalio is one of my favorites. I'm going through top grading right now. Uh, Shoe Night, we just talked about that. Talked about scaling up. Um, and I enjoyed the primal connection. You know, get your feet dirty. It helps your hormones, apparently. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Roger that. <laughs> primal connection. <laughs> Stop you there. but. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. Who is your biggest hero and why? For me, it was my dad because I think he just had to put up so much crap. He swallowed so much crap coming here. And, um, you know, he, he, was, he was in the restaurant business and he just, he had to deal with partners and he just, it's one of the, you know, the generation, they didn't really complain, he just did it and that was his job. And um, he just provided for us and he just gave me a great life. So that's my, that's my uh, hero. Awesome. You know, I, I don't know. I got a, I got a ton of heroes. I'm going to throw the Terminator out because I'm kind of stumped right now, but I, I love right. me some Arnold. But, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of heroes and I, I like a lot of people. So Outstanding. Good stuff. Good stuff. And then the final question, if you had three nuggets of wisdom to drop on those who are just getting started, what would it be? For me, it's real easy. I'll give you mine. Um, focus on the long game. We're built as individuals and people that want to live in the present on instant gratification. Be the farmer, be the entrepreneur, think long-term, put aside what you're going to make today and invest for tomorrow. And I guarantee you, when you first start out, you can really create a lot of wealth and create financial freedom. Strive for financial freedom because once you become financially free, you're not going to retire. You're going to be doing what you like and it's just going to compound and it's going to stack. So that's my, that's my nugget right there. Yeah. I think Gino said it earlier. You got to commit, burn the ships. There's no looking back, no matter what I'm getting into this game. I don't care how long it takes me. I'm going to do it because I know it's going to pay off. As Gino said, in the long term, education times action equals results. Get educated, get into the game, take massive action. You're going to see the results, but then it's at that point, you need to begin to scale. What are your core values? I worked a corporate job. I thought core values were bullshit. I fire people at a drop of a hat if the core values are not in alignment today because it does not work. Mm. And I, I, I know this in my soul now, and I just didn't understand it before. And it's probably because I was a shitty employee. I worked hard. I had great numbers, but I wasn't committed because I'm probably more of an entrepreneur in, in my soul. Um, but I know I, I, I truly believe in it. Core values, scaling up and, and, and getting systems into place and then and just creating a, a team full of rock stars uh, because they're going to push each other. And if you look, you know, throughout the ranks of our organization, 
there are some extremely talented people on the team. And that's what's you know, really driving the growth right now. Awesome, man. That, those are amazing points. We're definitely going to take notes on those, probably blast that out because that needs to be, uh, definitely needs to be shared. And don't let these people out there that tell you, you can put like these, these robots into positions and they only got to be so good and it's too hard managing eight players. You suck if that's your mindset. All right. Ooh. Seriously. All right. Yeah, very well. So, uh, so what's next for you guys and how can our folks get in touch with you? Dude, we, we, uh, I was telling Gino before this, we've got to be quiet about that, but we, uh, we, we, we shot one up the hole today, firing the hole, man. We got, uh, we got one sent out. So we're, uh, we're pumped about that. And, you know, going back to scale and growth, um, you know, we're, we're doubling down on our systems. We got a new ADP package that's coming over. Uh, so some pretty good technology there. We're, we're uh, got a, a scaling up advisor that we're working with and uh, just, you know, making sure that their hiring is tight. And uh, we, we've seen 500 units over the last, you know, three or four months or whatever the hell it's been. So that's a lot of hiring for a vertically integrated yeah. company like ours. And, and we're, right. we're growing our, our uh, CapEx team, our innovations. Uh, you know, the Jake and Gino brand is, is growing like crazy as well. So Gino's hiring like a madman over there. We just started marketing. We never marketed for, for that company. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing what, uh, you know, what, what a little podcast, as you guys know, can, uh, can do putting, putting your brand out there. So that's true. You know, it absolutely helps. You Cheat at it. What else, man? What else? Uh, Jake, uh, convinced me to write another book. I don't Woo! know why. October, I forgot about that. I don't know why. Oh, I don't know why. How could you forget about that? Uh-oh. <laughs> write another book. We're signing up students. We're doing boot camps. We're going to be doing live events. We got a live event in October. Um, uh, just, just a lot of stuff. So, I mean, we're hiring coaches. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's something that like, I never thought, you know, owning one restaurant and now having 1500 units and maybe going to 2000 by the end of the year. Never thought that would have happened. The limiting belief was huge. So my other golden nugget is go to life coaching school. Really important to work on your personal mm-hmm. development because if you can't raise your state, you can't raise your level of energy, you're not going to be doing good in life. Trust me. So I got one more thing. We keep running over with these guys. We're riding, uh, riding like the guys. More that, nuggets. Keep it going. No, no. It was funny because they're like, everyone was talking about, man, you got to go to these Tony Robbins events and, and they're so great. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, the, the, like the G dad is a Tony Robbins disciple. And, and I, I said, I never read any of his books to like a little you while ago. Quote him, right? <laughs> no, but I'm like, there's nothing new here. And I'm like, it's because it's limiting beliefs and taking full, full responsibility for your actions. I'm like, I've been hanging around with Gino since like 2011. That's all I've heard. <laughs> like, I'm like, dude, what, isn't this just how everybody lives? I'm like, oh, and I'm like, that's why that was the connection. So uh-huh. there, it is. there it is. Awesome, man. Well, guys, thank you so much again for uh, for everything that you guys are doing out there, crushing it in the game. Uh, guys, if you're listening, make sure that you guys go check out Jake and Gino, Wheelbarrow Profits. They have an awesome podcast. They have an awesome mentorship program. And hey, you know, maybe you get a chance to invest with them. Who knows, right? But go out there, go take action, right? Education times action equals results. I love Boom. that. Oh, yeah. Right. Thanks, guys, for having us on. We appreciate it. Thank you very thank much, you. gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, fellas outstanding that was an awesome episode thanks so much to our special guests and thanks to you for listening if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet make sure you go and do that or schedule a call with us by texting adpi to 444-999 or checking out our website at www.activedutypassiveincome.com to find out how you can get started on your financial freedom journey today i'll see you guys next week